Across New England, commercial businesses of all sizes rely on Eastern Bank. We help clients grow by being able to answer their larger loan needs and by offering innovative solutions, smart decision-making, and one-on-one relationships. From franchise financing to community development and asset-based lending, our knowledgeable and experienced commercial team deeply understands your business and the communities you serve. See how we can help you meet your business goals at easternbank.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Casca Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved. It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen, and this is Someone Knows Something, Season 8, The Angel Carlet Case. Available now. Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. I'm Shirley Lim. Today we're doing things a little differently. We're turning the mic around. My producer, Anna Kusmer, is going to be throwing me questions. Some from our listeners, some from colleagues and friends of the show. I've been hosting Say More for six months now, so it feels like the right time to put me in the hot seat. Okay, Anna, take it away. Go easy on me, please. (laughs) So, Shirley, how does it feel to be on the other side of the microphone? We literally switch seats. You're in the guest spot. How How are you feeling? I hate it. It's excruciating. I have a new appreciation for everybody who gets interviewed by a journalist or dare to be on a podcast. New empathy for your guests. Exactly. And any any person I interview, I mean, this is, it, it's, it's scary. It's scary to be on the other side, but uh, I guess it's for a good cause. Um, so you've been doing Say More for a while now. What are your thoughts about hosting a podcast? How is it different than what you expected? I thought it'd be very similar to writing a column. You know, I have my opinions. I, it's very conversational, but it's really different. When you ask questions, you're not always looking for information. Um, Like a reporter, um, you're looking for emotion or feelings. You you, got to shape questions differently. And and you want to tell stories and in a certain order. Because when I write stories, you know, I just, you know, throw out a lot of different questions. And then through my writing process, I can put all the answers in the right order. But you can't do that as easily on a podcast. You you have to ask the questions in a certain order so you can have a, a nice arc of a story. So that's very different for me. Was there a particular guest that stood out to you or changed the way you think? Definitely Heather Cox Richardson. She's the BC historian. She just wrote a book. I write a lot about business, but not as much about politics. Talking to her, reading her book, I realized how close America is to having an authoritarian leader again, Um, and that this has happened before in our history, and we can stop it. We have the power to stop it, whether it's through um, voting, (laughs) um, uh, whether it's just being active and actively stopping. We're not helpless. That was really a big message from her. And I... I don't know. I, I feel like I read a lot about politics and I really understood what was going on. But it was really through that interview, it, it really changed the way I look at the election in 2024. 
You were saying um, last week that you think you've read more books, you know, preparing for this podcast than you have in a long time. Is this is it changed your lifestyle that you're kind of constantly being thrown into these different topics um, for episodes each week? I'm pretty busy. I have two young kids and I have this, you know, a job at the Globe writing a column and I do radio and now this podcast. So I don't really have time to read books. I mean, I read a lot of magazine articles and newspapers and I don't know. I I should stop. I think I've written, read five or six books this year and I usually read maybe one book a year. And so, and this is only six months. So next year I'll probably read 12 books. (laughs) I, I don't think I've read this many books since college. (laughs) Um, So we solicited questions for this uh, podcast. We kind of framed it as an AMA, Ask Me Anything. Um, So I have some questions for you. Um, This first one is from actually your coworker, Katie Johnston. Um, So she's asking, so you are a mom of two boys. Your sons are both really into basketball. Um, And Katie says she remembers you learning about the game and going to tournaments on weekends. And she says, you work so hard. You're such a devoted mom. And she's wondering, I'm wondering, how do you think about the balance between, you know, your role as a parent and your work life? Oh, that's a good question from Katie. Katie's also a working mom as well. And I love my kids. I love my family. I love the fact that I have a job where I can sit in my pajamas, <laughs> turn on a laptop, and and have influence from <laughs> sitting in my pajamas sometimes. And it's it's a really my ideas are what can drive change. So I'm really lucky that way. But I also always remember this is I really have what maybe 18 years with my kids that they're home, and then they're going to go away and. And I remember another colleague had told me this, that um, when when I had a baby, six months old, and he wanted to hold my baby. I was like, why would anybody want to hold my baby? And he's like, it goes by really fast. And now my kids are 10 and 12, so they're halfway halfway out of the house, right? And so I remember that every day, you know, that that time with them at home is very precious. So that's why I you know, drive them to basketball on the weekends or drive them to violin lessons. It's it's a really special time and it's not going to last forever. So when when I when Katie asked that question, I also shared her curiosity. But I always with these questions about working moms, I always stop myself, you know, would what would we be asking a man that question? But also the struggle is particularly real for moms. I think we all know that in some level. So um, I, I just wanted to know if you have any reflection on being asked that question. I'm sure it's not the first time you're being asked just in terms of like thinking about the particular pressure on women to kind of like be everything. I like it when I get asked this question because I think it's important for women to talk about their families, to talk about their love of raising their children. There was a time when I was interviewing female CEOs, you know, maybe who are in their late 60s now, when they were climbing the career ladder, they would actually hide pictures of their kids. They didn't want people to know that they had a family because they thought that would hurt their career. And we're not, we're not there now. I mean, it, we're celebrated for having families and for having good jobs and 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 being a manager. Um, I recently had a lunch with a hospital CEO, and she has this great phrase. She says, um, you can have it all. You just can't do it all. 
she was like, you know, you can hire someone to clean. You can hire someone to take care of your kids or, you know, have someone else do it. But don't try to do it all. You can have it all. You just can't do it all. Um, So I'm going to pull another question out of our listener mailbag. Um, This one is from listener Narcissa Campion, um, and she asks, do you have any advice for your younger self? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. (laughs) Well, can I give you advice that I actually tell younger women all the time? Definitely. So this is my second time at The Globe, and when I was at The Globe the first time, uh, more than two decades ago, uh, all the young, you know, I was in my early 20s, and the girls would get together, the girl girl reporters, and we would get together and we'd say, why do the boys get all the best assignments? You know, what is it about them? And, you know, of course, the boys would play basketball with the male managers, or they would ask them out to lunch, and they would articulate, you know, what they wanted to do. And so when I left the Globe and went to the Wall Street Journal and I came back, I said, I'm going to be like the boys, you know. So I started asking, um, you know, the editor of the paper or the managing editors to lunch. I would every year would have lunch with them. And so I always tell younger women this advice, bosses can't read your minds. So I have lunch with them so I can tell them what I want to do. Um, If you think about your bosses or your managers, they manage so many people. They have no idea what you're thinking. They have no idea what you want to do with your career. They're not even thinking about you, really, most of the time. So you have to kind of create a vision for them or you have to tell them what you want to do. That is the only way that you are going to move up at a company or get what you want out of your company. My wish for my younger self is that I wish I'd learned that lesson not at 32, but at 22. So listener Barbara Gibson wants to know about your relationship with social media. Um, How has it benefited you? Has it been a blessing or a curse? Oh, I hate social media. I wish it didn't exist. It's so much work, right? And Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, it's toxic. I'm on threads now, which is the meta slash Facebook alternative to uh, Twitter. At the moment, um, it's very welcoming and very safe. Um, As a woman of color, as a woman journalist on Twitter, I was, I was trolled, you know, it was, it was horrible being on Twitter. I'm virtually stalked um, for my, whether it's my ideas, you know, it's, it's racist. Um, So I'm so glad that A lot of us are getting off of Twitter. We're back with Shirley Leung after a short break. At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com business. And this is what it sounds like. Member FDIC. 
Now we have a question from some of your broadcast buddies, Jim and Marjorie. And for anyone who doesn't know, these are the co-hosts of Boston Public Radio, a local news talk show on GBH. Shirley, you're a, you're a weekly guest on their show, is that yep. it? Yeah. Okay. They have they sent in something. So Shirley, you know what I wonder? How you do it? You get two small children. Every other day you're on the front page of the paper with some breaking news story. Then you got a podcast, say more, on top of it. I mean, what do you do? Sleep for like three hours a night? Excuse me, excuse me. Nobody is interested in how she does it, Marjorie. They're not? People are interested in who her inspirations were. Who are the podcast hosts or, let's say, radio hosts who she trained at the knee of who she found to be the uh-huh. inspiration to be able to do Say More with Shirley Young. That's what the listeners want to know. It's all about Jim once again. And your point is what? So, well, your point is, I don't think she cares, Jim. So as I was saying, what was, who are your inspirations, <laughs> Shirley Leung? Okay, two solid questions. Uh, we talked about how you balance life, but logistically, do you, do you sleep, Shirley? Well, I'm perimenopausal, <laughs> so I don't sleep. You know, that's a thing now, women talking about being in menopause or pre-menopause. So, no, I don't sleep. And now, actually, actually, I fall asleep, but I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I used to try to listen to podcasts or do a little reading. Now I said, screw it. I'm just getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm writing stories. I'm setting slacks. I'm, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> that does help explain the math of how you get it all done, I will say. So, so can I say something about Jim and Marjorie? Yeah. So I have to, I've been on the Jim and Marjorie show almost as long as I've been writing my column. So I've been on their show every week since 2014. And actually, I give a lot of credit to being on the GBH show for my interest in doing more audio, doing my own podcast, and they've been terrific. I'm on every week. We talk about uh, the podcast. We talk about who's on that week. So they've been really a huge supporter of you know, the podcasts of me exploring audio. Sometimes I guest host as well when uh, Jim and Marjorie, one of them, are, are, you know, is on vacation. So it's been great uh, to be part of their show um, as I launch my own show. So who are your podcast host inspirations? Don't say Jim Browdy. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say Jim Browdy. Uh Actually, I wanted to say, uh, listening to that clip, is there a question here? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jim would say um, always. Um, well, I love Kara Swisher. I mean, actually, you've heard me tell this story. Like, I was not a podcast listener um, until the pandemic. And so we were all stuck at home back in 2020, um, and I would have to walk the dog. I also never walked the dog. My husband always walked the dog. and But I needed to get out of the house, you know, at least once a day um, instead of sitting at my front of my laptop. And so I started walking the dog and listening to podcasts. And I that's when I started listening to The Daily. I started listening to Kara Swisher back when she was at the New York Times, Sway. I loved it. And um, and then now I listen to The Journal. Um, I love listening to, I like The Journal because it's 16 minutes. <laughs> and But I, I love, I'm just, I love, I've been listening to the, the Globe's Charles Stort podcast. Um, I'm not into crime podcasts, but I, I am into the Stort podcast. So we have another question from Helen Chin Schlitke. Uh, first, can you quickly explain who Helen is? Helen is 92 years old. We call her Aunt Helen. She has been around f- 
obviously forever, but she's born in Charlestown and she's just an institution in the Asian American community. She's like one of the, you know, first Asian Americans to work in on Beacon Hill in state government. I think she worked there for decades. Wow. So um, Helen, unsurprisingly, considering what you just said, um, wants to know about your own Chinese background. Um, she asked a couple questions. I'll just tell you all her questions and you can just decide what you want to answer. But um, she asks, you know, did you have Asian playmates growing up? Did you speak Chinese at home? Did you grow up observing Chinese holidays and tradition? Oh, that's a good question. I don't always, I, I guess I've never talked about that with Aunt Helen before. Um, so I grew up in Maryland in a rural part of Maryland, rural like farmland. You know, now it's considered a suburb of Baltimore, but back then it was like farm. You, you grew up in Harford County. I mean, that's like, you know, farmland out there. And so, um, and so there weren't a lot of Asian Americans um, in elementary school or in high school. And um, my parents had immigrated from uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong. And so my mom didn't really speak a lot of English. My dad didn't speak. I mean, he was a doctor, a government doctor. So he spoke some English, just enough to get by. And so, uh, so when I went to school, like I, my first language was Mandarin. You know, I didn't speak English. And so I was in English as a second language classes in kindergarten. And so, um, and, but, you know, being in America was pretty easy to pick up English and learn English. But I also had, my grandparents were still alive and they were still in Hong Kong. So we would spend every other summer in Hong Kong. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. So we would spend every, like a whole month in Hong Kong every other summer. I must have spent six summers in Hong Kong. So I got to know a lot about, you know, Asian culture, Chinese culture, certainly the best dim sum in the world in Hong Kong with all my aunties. And, you know, I had I had aunties where we number them, you know, auntie number one, auntie number two. They, you know, they didn't have names. They just had numbers because, you know, auntie number six, you know. And so I had cousins. So I, I love my... Chinese culture, you know, um, you know, having actually spent time in Asia. Um, so, you know, our podcast, we have pretty good audience, but I thought we could um, expand to some younger audience. So I thought I'd reach out to an expert. My name is Evan Lim and I am 10 years old. Who's that? That is my son, Evan. <laughs> okay. So this is his opinion of your podcast. Um. Lots of politics, that's all I know. But I also, like, tried to tell my mom to get, like, you know, better people on the podcast. You know, like, f more famous people, that's easy to get. But she, for some reason, invites, like, the, like, but for some reason, she invites, like, the most random people I never knew. Okay, bit harsh, but honest. My podcast means nothing to my son unless I have Victor Wembenyama on the show. We did discuss some good questions for Victor. So when we do have him on, I, I think we should have Evan to come help us come up with some questions. I think that'd be great. So we tried to get Jeremy Lin, who was a Harvard basketball star and then went to play in the a NBA, an Asian-American, right? Um, and I, we, but he said no. But maybe we'll make another run at him. I would love to have Jeremy Lin on. He's also an activist, too. Yeah, maybe we'll actually get your son to listen to our podcast if we get him. <laughs> exactly. So who are some, um, looking forward to, you know, another six months of the podcast, um, who are some dream guests for you? Who would you love to have on the podcast? Before her congressional 
hearing <laughs> and testimony, uh, we wanted Claudine Gay, the Harvard president, on the show, and we've had we've put an ask into her when she first became president um, earlier this year. So, of course, I would love to have her on the podcast. I think all of us would love to hear from Claudine Gay. Uh, so open invitation. That invitation stands, uh, President Gay. I also was thinking, in addition to her, I'd love to hear from Penny Pritzker, who is effectively the chair of the Harvard board. So I I think she would be a great guest, too. I need to go through my list. Conan O'Brien. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have Conan O'Brien out. Conan if you're listening, we would love to have you on. Um, I know you're super busy. Brookline native, Harvard grad, hopefully hilarious on a podcast. He does have a podcast. He's funny on it. I'd love to have Nobel Prize winner Claudia Golden on. She's at Harvard, an economist, and she's been writing about the gender gap for uh, 40 years. And I'd love to have her on for Women's History Month. So any uh, any holiday plans? Well, we're going to L.A. We're going to Las Vegas. Um, my husband and I, we got married in Vegas 20 years ago. So uh, we're going to go to Vegas, take the kids for the first time. So um, maybe, I don't know, should we get married again? Should we do what um, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? Should we go to that little chapel and get married again? <laughs> Renew our vows? <laughs> I, I'm, I, I support the idea. Sounds fun. If it's good enough for Ben Affleck. It's good enough for me. Wait in line with Ben (laughs) Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) There you go. That would actually be kind of fun. I have heard a rumor that you make really good holiday cookies. What kind do you make? Well, I've been baking cookies with um, a friend for 20 years, and we make pizzelles, pizzelles or pizzellis, the Italian cookies, uh, which I love. And but I like to experiment. So what did I bake this year so far? I baked, I baked toffee with sea salt. That was that was um, that was pretty good and easy. I baked um, oh ginger ginger snickerdoodles. I like that. That was a good one. You know, I've made something called millionaire shortbread. That's very decadent. That's a very British or Scottish cookie. Well, uh, on that note, your son had. I asked him what his what your most redeeming qualities were. I guess he's pretty good at baking. I guess, but again, she is the only one in the house that bakes. A ringing endorsement, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I know. I guess I. I guess uh, by a process of elimination, right? I'm the best baker in the house because no one else bakes. His. <laughs> there you go. Well, Shirley, thanks so much for doing this. I think 2024 is going to be our year. I hope we never do this again. This is the last time we See do this. See you next year, same same place. No, same no, time. we're gonna we're gonna turn the mic on you next year. <laughs> I'm not nearly as interesting and as you. Uh, no, no, next next year's your turn. <laughs> All right, I'll have a really interesting year, so I'll yes. think of things to talk about. Well, thanks for having me, Anna. <laughs> Anytime. Say More is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by me, Anna Kusmer, and Scott Hellman. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Ahmed. Our music is from APM Music. If you like the show, please follow us and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at saymore@globe.com. I'm Anna Kusmer. Thanks for listening. I'm Evan Lim. Thanks for listening. This is probably my peak. I'm probably peaking right now. This is gonna make me famous, yeah, is it? <laughs>